Hopefully you're enjoying your quarantine time. Hopefully you're still enjoying the last day of spring break, the day that we recorded this. And Jessica and I are so happy to have a very wonderful reporter, so sweet and kind to join us today, knowing that she has a young one at home too. Uh, please welcome Alex Appleton. Thanks guys for having me, I appreciate it. Yay! Alex, we are thrilled to have you. We love being in touch with anyone from the media that advocates for teachers and education. You're doing a great job of that. So can oh, you give you. us, yeah, of course. Can you give us a bit of background, like what brought you to Las Vegas? Sure. Um, well, a job. <laughs> um, so both my husband and I worked at the Fresno Bee um, in Fresno, California, which is also where we grew up. Um, and so we were offered jobs at the RJ at the same time, you know, doing the beats that we really like to cover. He covers politics and I cover education. And um, it was just, it was too good to pass up. Honestly, we thought we'd never get another offer for both of us doing exactly what we wanted to do at a newspaper. So um, we, uh, we just packed up and moved uh, last May. So it's almost been a year, which it does not feel like at all. How does it feel to work with your husband? You know, he, it's funny because I'm, I'm gesturing over there because he's in the other room right now. Like working from home right now is a really like it's like a, a family effort, you know, because we're passing the toddler back and forth. Like, OK, I have an interview right now. So can you watch him for a little bit and, and vice versa? Um, at the office, to be honest, we hardly ever see each other because, you know, we're we're out of the office. We're doing interviews and things like that. But this is a little bit different because I know he can hear me talking right now and he's probably making fun of me. <laughs> so how does that work with like having taken care of the kid? Like is one of you like one shift and the other is the other? Or? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. We, um, we basically, we didn't stop paying tuition at our daycare just so we can keep it around for emergencies, like days that we both have breaking news or we both have like a press conference that we need to get to. So some, some days it's like, okay, just, just go for a couple hours. We're just going to get our work done. And, um, our daycare does a really good job. They've, uh, th they don't even allow like parents into the building anymore. And his class is down to like three other kids. So we feel like a little bit nervous about it, but it's also like unavoidable, you know, with, with being, I guess, essential workers. It's like, we just, some, some days he just, he has to go. <laughs> Right. Um, just diving into, you've had some previous experience covering education, I'm assuming in other cities. Yeah. What um, have you noticed between Vegas and your other cities that you've covered? Sure. So I covered um, a little bit of education in New York um, while I was still a student in journalism school. Um, and then I also covered education in California. Um, and then I've done some, some like freelancing on education in Georgia and just other random places like that. Um, so there, there's a lot of similarities. Certainly this is the largest school district I've ever covered. And, you know, with it comes all the problems of a large urban district coupled with all the problems of a poor district, with all the problems of reaching students in rural schools. So what you really have is like a, a patchwork of things that you need to consider um, that, that probably make it unlike a lot of things, a lot of other places that I've covered. But, you know, the similarities are, you know, in the, especially the Spanish-speaking population, how do you make sure you're reaching those kids and providing the right services to them and things like that. I think those are, those are challenges I've seen in, in every other place that I've covered. And um, 
it's it's tough. It's tough in terms of funding. You know, Nevada's in this place where it's trying to come up with a funding, a new funding formula that would take into th- account things like, um, I'm like losing my words here, but you know what I'm trying to say is students in these, in these weighted categories is, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. And so when I was in California, you know, that already exists. And I, I like drilled myself on, they call it the local control funding formula. I drilled myself on it until I could like recite it to you. And so now I'm kind of seeing like the early stages of developing a system like that here that would take into account all the different things like English learners and homeless students and, and things like that. So it's, um, it's like seeing, seeing the, the beginnings of it in a lot of ways. <laughs> Do you feel like Nevada is behind other states as far as I was surpri- and- Yeah, I was surprised to, to hear that that sort of thing didn't already exist here. Um, and so I know that's something Amelia, my predecessor, has written about, too, is I think that already sort of existed in her home state of Massachusetts as well. So we, we had talked before she left about, like, wow, I can't believe that that's not here yet. But, you know, it's, it's good that it's been recognized that we need something like that and that people are looking into it. So you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just curious, as a former journalist, how were you able to do freelance work on education in Georgia? Like, how how did that work? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were we were pretty poor, and uh, I was just looking around for all kinds of freelance work, and I think it was uh, an editor that I'd been friendly with before um, put me in touch with one of her friends who was an editor at a, uh, at another publication who was just like, we have this idea. We want you to look into it. And you know, it's in Georgia. If you feel comfortable with that, like, I guess, you know, I have a phone that works. I can probably make it happen. And, um, it, it took a little bit of doing, you know, just diving into a state, a place that you've never reported on before, but, but it, it got done eventually. Did you enjoy it or was it like challenging? It. it was a really interesting topic is I think part of what helped is um, it was this concept of micro credentials, um, which I think are very new here in Nevada, but it was essentially the idea of you don't need to go to college for four years, get a full degree. Maybe you go for three months and you get a micro credential, right? Something to put on your resume that says you're really trained in this. Um, and so out in Georgia, it was, um, it was micro credentials in the finance industry. So you could take a few classes and say you're now you're really good at cybersecurity and put that on your resume and get a job. So I was interested in the topic and that helped. But yes, it was it was challenging to make the sort of connections that you need to make a good story happen. So Amelia, one of her I think it was her last piece on Nevada education, she talked about the biggest challenge she sees for our state um, is apathy. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of apathy. Do you think now that we've been on lockdown for about what three or four weeks now do you Mm -hmm. see us solving that problem or is it getting worse what do you think from your reporting stance to be honest like since i jumped in probably about january um i think the issue i mean not an issue but i think the apathy has morphed into anger like i think just as soon as she put her finger on it maybe it was the wake up call everybody needed, but like the overwhelming sense I've gotten from people is anger, anger that things aren't moving faster, that they're not improving faster. Um, I'm sure you guys are aware about the, uh, the human capital management system that 
has caused a lot of anger over the last three months. So it's, it's almost like everything has just started to speed up and people are now like demanding like something happen. And so I don't know. Um, I don't know if that was just a coincidence. I don't know if everyone was just on the precipice of this. Um, but I think in terms of how the lockdown affects it, I think you know, now everybody's sort of in survival mode. I don't know that you're going to, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of change right now while everybody's just like, okay, we have to, we have to feed these kids and we have to make sure that they're learning something maybe um, over the next few months. And then we need to graduate a bunch of them. We need to get them through this. And so I think at that point, it's just sort of like, well, let's just get, get through it. Maybe we can get back to it in a few months. Right. Anything yeah. about graduation at this point? I'm sorry. Have you heard anything about graduation? Well, so the superintendent Jara released a video that basically said he doesn't know when or how it's happening, but something's going to happen to recognize the kids. Um, and the, when I checked in with the district, they pointed me to this website that said physical graduation ceremonies are still on. Um, from Jara's message, it really seems like maybe they're not. But, you know, it's also, let's say they're about a month away. If we reopen everything in, in less than that time, would, would anyone feel comfortable gathering around in a, you know, in stadium to watch their kids graduate? You'd hope so, but I just, I don't know if we'll ever get there. And I haven't heard anything really concrete to say that we're not. Um, in fact, I would probably say it's more leaning towards we are, I guess. It's, yeah, way up in the air right now. Are you, by the way, finding it hard or easy um, to get in touch with people to talk to you, like politicians, uh, officials? Sure. Um, so one of the first things I noticed about Vegas is how friendly everybody is. You can't go to like a Target, or you couldn't before, without like several people stopping you to like just chat about what you have in your cart, or you know, you go out and anywhere really in town and people just want to talk to you. So in terms of finding like teachers and parents and students who want to talk, not a problem. Everybody is like interested and chatty and wants to share. And I think part of that is like, you know, the customer service of the town, right? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of official comment, it's been a little bit of a struggle, which I think any journalist in the state will tell you. And like my, my message to those folks is it doesn't have to be this way, you know, just, just talk to us, you know, like, well, there's a lot more, you'll be treated a lot more fairly if you talk to us versus if you don't. And I don't mean like we'll treat you unfairly, but it's like if one side, if the teachers and parents are telling me like a whole story of information and then I hear absolutely nothing. I hear radio silence from the officials. Well, then you're, you're going to think your story is unfair because you're not telling me anything, but I can't write what you didn't tell me. You know what I mean? So that's uh Hopefully that's an answer. We've, we're, Jessica and I both have kind of like pushed back from like talking to everyone because we like, don't, you don't want to do that. You're going to risk your job, risk angering district officials. And we're like, we know you guys need to do your job too. It's all about that customer service. And we're like. Yeah. I believe things are changing. Um, when I first entered the district 10 years ago, I couldn't get a school board trustee to email me back. And now I'm 
Facebook friends with two of them. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. That is, that is helpful. And I, I, got, I have to say the trustees are, they're, they're animated. They make those meetings fun. If you know what I mean, <laughs> but yeah, when you, um, when you start to ask teachers to like, especially I found with substitutes and support workers, it seems like the, the less you're paid, the less comfortable you feel in your position. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, please keep my name out of the story, please you know, don't identify me here or there. And that, that makes it really hard to report because I need, I need named sources. So sometimes I have to, you know, get creative about finding those. And so I do wish that there was, um, I, I, I wish people weren't so afraid to talk to me sometimes. Um, but I found that, and maybe it's related to the anger thing that I found, I found that sometimes people are, are just angry enough to, to share and to not be <laughs> afraid of what, what might happen. True. So what is the best part of covering education? Oh, let me go back to the board meetings. Yeah. For those who, we, Jessica and I and you and a lot of people have sat through them. So how do you survive the board meetings? I love them. I love board meetings. I mean, I think that's why I'm an education reporter is like, I think it's, I think it's fun to like sit there, especially public comment. I mean, I look forward to public comment because people get up there and it's like the fireworks of the whole thing. And, um, you know, live tweeting really helps because um, it, it keeps me focused. It helps my ADD brain like focus on what's going on instead of trying to do a bunch of things. So if I'm, if I'm live tweeting, it's, it's for the four people who read my tweets, but it's also for myself <laughs> to like, to, to kind of, like like put in words what was important and what was said and what I need to go back to when I'm writing my story. So that's that's probably the key to it is like tweet a lot. <laughs> I think if uh, if a lot of people find them to be boring, but sometimes it's during those boring moments that things are on the table to be discussed that people don't realize. Millions mm -hmm. of dollars being spent or because sure. it goes by so quick. Sure. Yeah, and it's you know cloaked in legalese and all kinds of formality that people don't want to pay attention to when like if you just put it in plain language you're like oh yeah that that is a big deal actually we need to think about that so we like to end our interviews Alex with three elevating educator questions <laughs> Ryan okay. do you want to do the first one so what would be your dream school my dream school in what, what would way? your perfect you, school look like? You create your own school. school. Oh my goodness, what a good question. Um, so like one thing I really like that I've seen here um, and in a couple other districts since I started reporting is like the flexible hours concept. Like if you are a morning person, you want to get school done between like six and noon, you can come in and do that. And if you're you know, like a, a late sleeper who wants to roll in at 3 p.m. and stay in the evening, you can do that. So like that would be, I don't know, some sort of like dual use thing kind of like that. Um, and then just as a hardcore introvert, the idea of like you can just check in on, with your classes once a week on Zoom and then just do your work and turn it in and just go about your day. Like, so I don't know, I guess I'm asking for a really flexible school. I don't know that would ever be possible anywhere, but I think yeah. That sounds like NVLA. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. They meet <laughs> once a week with their teachers and they do most of their work perfect. online or in their lab. That's perfect. See, like in high school, that would have been ideal for me. Yeah, and like, yeah, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say that feels like college as well. Yeah. Yeah. Although now I'm like thinking back to college and like when I was allowed to set my own hours and I would just like not show up for class. So maybe no, that, that would not be, that would not be good for me as a student. <laughs> Did you and your husband meet at Columbia, by the way? No, we met at the Fresno Bee at the last paper we went oh, okay. at. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Second question. What is the most annoying educational buzzword that you can think of? Oh God, there's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. Um, it's not like strictly educational, but I have heard it in this context, probably operationalize, which mm. is not even a word, which is like, we're going to find out the best way to operationalize our program or whatever. And I just tune out. I'm like, oh, why? That <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, there's, there's just so many good ones. You That's can do. when it, like, it seems like we're running schools like a business. Yeah. Yeah, like how are you going to do the efficiency? Yeah. All right, so our third and final question. Real or fake, what teacher has made most influence on you? That's a good question. Um, I was just thinking about her this morning, so I'm going to say that it was this, uh, there was a professor I had in college, in, in undergrad, who um, she was just, like, I, I took her classes four times because she was so much fun. She... Um, like really believed in her convictions and like she she got really passionate in her lectures and she did a class on um she did a class called literature as journalism where we looked at like how newspapers like newspapers from the 18 and early 1900s specifically could be read like a novel and so you would look at the placement of the advertisements in relation to the story and then you'd read the story and like what the reporter had to go through to get it we read a lot of you know Nellie Bly and things like that um so I just like she was just not only was the content of her class like perfect for me but she was just a really passionate person like one time she like lifted a chair and like shook it at us to make her point and I just like always I think of her all the time she's a lot of fun all right so what's your favorite fake educator my favorite fake educator hmm um probably Miss Frizzle is a common one that people say right she's a lot of fun yeah I like her a lot I don't want to be in her class go on field trips and stuff like that body yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And into space and underwater. Yeah, who wouldn't want that? That's so cool. Imagine we could actually do that. That would be so amazing. Right? Wouldn't that, would that like make your jobs easier? Or would there be even more pressure now to be like the ultimate Miss Frizzle? I have a friend that has dressed up like Miss Frizzle before. That's, that's awesome. Oh, have I had a friend dress up like Jessica and I have. Oh, you have? Okay. That's awesome. She, bound, she does bounding. Um... So Alex, how can people find your Twitter so you don't have more than four people following you? <laughs> yeah, for the four people reading my CCSD board meeting tweets. Yeah, um, so my Twitter is Alex Appleton and my email is aappleton at reviewjournal.com. And those are probably the best ways to contact me. Appleton. <laughs> Perfect for teaching. Right? How, old is your, how old is your kid? My kid is two. He turned two in December, so he's like two and change. Aw. What's, what's yeah. his name? I'm sorry? What's his name? Rowan. Rowan? Rowan. Rowan. Yes. <laughs> Rowan. 
<laughs> Rowan, yeah, it's a good Cute. good name well, for Rowan. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for interviewing with yeah. us today. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me.